Sarah Winchester here with Autumn Privet, and this is the Reading Woman Podcast, where we're reclaiming half the bookshelf by discussing books written by or about women. This is episode 11, where we're talking about women in translation. I'm so excited about this one. Yeah. <laughs> I know I don't yeah. sound excited, but I have a well, cold and I'm sniffly. So in cold language, you're very excited. Yes, I'm through the roof excited. Because we have been preparing for this and talking about this for months, literally months. And after I recommend my first book, you will see why it has taken months to prepare this episode. It is. You brought this upon your own head. And I gladly take it upon my head. I wanted to read that book. (laughs) So it is time for the news. And of course, everyone is talking about the winner of the Man Booker Prize, Paul Beatty, um, and his book, The Sellout. So I was surprised that this one won. It was not the one that I expected to win. No, it was not my front runner. And like I looked at his books, his other books that he wrote, and I didn't recognize any of them either. Yeah, I hadn't. I didn't hear anything until he won the National Book National Book Critics Circle Award last year, and I checked it out from the library one time a while ago, but never read it. Other than that, it hasn't. Yeah, I did not expect this one, especially since it's an American. You know. Yeah, but I wonder if it's because of the topic, like so. Just a brief summary of what it's about. It's about uh, race and a young black man who lives in California and kind of how he deals with his father's death, among other things. So it might have been just like they felt like the topic was appropriate. I really have no idea how like even it made on their radar just because it's satirical. It doesn't seem like a man booker book and that's what a lot of people are saying is that the man booker is making a lot of effort to get out of the old stodgy white dude box which is true the first man booker winner i ever read was the sea by john banville and it is very much a stodgy white man book my first one was the life of pi which i read like six years ago or whatever and that was the actual first when the man when the booker became the man booker that was the first winner and it was just it was, you know, I read it obviously years later, but um, it was very good. And that I don't, from what I've heard, this is a satire, a book of satire where this guy reinstitutes racism as like a social experiment. And it's just like this crazy over the top type of book. But I also think it's interesting that the first American to win the Man Booker since it's been open um, to Americans is um, this book about racism, which I think fits definitely our time definitely it's so interesting but I also wonder like they passed up um several amazing female authors and a woman hasn't won um since the luminaries a few years ago which I just picked up a copy of that and I'm eager to dig into it it's a good doorstop right oh yes it is doorstop size the second half I think is like a page turner first half I'm not sure what it is that was free (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I might start it on audio and then pick it up in print. We'll see what Because it's like a 20-hour audiobook, which yeah. is ridiculous. Yeah, so this is like, what was it, 50,000-pound prize. And um, Paul Beatty seems very kind of surprised that he won. And he started out as a slam poet. And then he won eventually this fellowship. And that's why he finished this book, because he felt like he had to show something up for the money that was donated to his art. So this has just been really interesting to see all of the media coverage that has been coming after it. And everyone is saying that the Man Booker is not on their radars like the National Book Award and the Pulitzer. 
Now, to me, the Man Booker is my favorite prize just because of all the pomp and ceremony and how interesting it is. But I tend to enjoy the Pulitzer Prize winning books more when I read them. Yeah, I, I can, I'm trying to think of any more Man Booker that I've read. But I've always kind of viewed it. I mean, you can't anymore now that it's open to Americans. But I've always viewed it as like the British equivalent of the National Book Award. Yeah, I think that's what it was. And I know all of their marketing is like the finest fiction. That's their hashtag. It's like the idea that they're the best. But I think that, well, for example, uh, I read Deborah Levy's Hot Milk, which was shortlisted. And she kept going on in this interview that she thought it was a psychological thriller, but it, it, it's not. No, it is not. It is pure. There's no plot to it at all. And we all know that thrillers are huge on plot. So anyway... Right. But they less, I think they don't let in genre as much as the American prizes do, except for um, David Mitchell's The Bone Clocks, which was shortlisted. I loved The Bone Clocks. It was so good. I will ask you off the record about a sequel about that. Remind me. Oh, I love David Mitchell. I keep, there's, he and Neil Gaiman are the ones that I like pace myself. Like there are books, I don't want to read them because I want to savor them. And, um, that interview with Neil Gaiman and David Mitchell. Yes. We're putting that in the show notes. Yes. And you go back and find it. Ugh. Magical. So we want to know, listeners, what do you think of the Man Booker Prize? The National Book Award comes out in about two weeks or so. So let us know which prize you prefer and what books you have read and what your general impressions are. Is is the Man Booker moving in a more progressive nature? Is it more inclusive? Or even what your favorite awards are. We love awards. Right. The Bailey's Prize is cool. Yay, Bailey's. I'm beginning to love the Not the Booker Prize. I don't know that one. It's it's a Guardian spoof kind of prize, and the winner gets a mug. Oh, you told me about that. Yeah. I'm pretty excited about it. So funny. I, I think that's it for news. Do you have anything else? No, that's it. I'll be All eagerly right. counting down for the National Book Award. So, I guess that's it for that. And now it's time for our first pick. And the first pick is... Okay, so let me tell a little bit of a story. I first saw this book at Barnes & Noble uh, maybe two years ago. Let's see, when did it come out? It came out last November. And I saw the cover... And I went, I have to read that book. I don't know what it's it about. I don't I don't care. I have to read that book. And so I finally found a copy and read it and I'm so glad I did. And the book is The Big Green Tent by Ludmilia Ultskaya. It's in the show notes. Don't worry. Thanks. And it is a whopping five hundred and ninety-two pages. Oh my goodness. It's huge. And it is beautiful. Okay, so if you follow me on Litzy, I kind of sort of was live tweeting it. Would it be live Litzying it? Mm. I don't know. I don't what know. would it be? That does now need to be a thing. I'm going to make it a thing now. Okay, make it a thing. You can do that. You have the power. Magic power. So anyway, so this is a sweeping Russian novel. It's in the style, like, okay, honestly, I've not read much Russian literature, but it's as in the same, what I would imagine, category as something like Anna Karenina or World and Peace. It's very long, very immersive. And 
someone asked me on Litzy, they were like, do you have to know a lot about Russian history to read this book? And my professional opinion is no. Um, as I said, I know next to nothing about Russian literature, but I felt like, or Russian history in general, and I felt like I learned a lot about both in reading this book. It's very difficult to summarize because it is so expansive. It follows three guys at first, and then it branches out like a tree. So it's like their teachers and their parents and their girlfriends and their girlfriend's family and the mistresses of their girlfriend's father. And like, it just goes <laughs> on and on and on and on. Everyone is, there's lots of different classes and different castes and different like types of people. Um, and you really get a feeling of what it was like to grow up in Russia in the 60s and 70s. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And some major themes in the book are Male friendship, female friendship, religion. There's lots of different religions in the book and absences of religion. Government, like different types of government. Um, like sex and physical relationships and love and family and work and intelligence and fate and chance encounters and home and what does it mean to be home and like all of these different things. So I loved it. All the themes. All the themes, all the things, and that's another thing too, is like, it is so beautifully translated. Like, I was just drooling over the pages, not literally because it was a library book, but the phrasing, oh my goodness, like, I wanted to live in that book. It was so beautiful. So. It's big enough you could live in it. You could live in it. <laughs> I will tell you though, don't tell the library, but I'm gonna tell you a secret. This book is so big, I had it lying on the bed because you can't really hold it when you're reading it. And Marco came up and started chewing on the corner. I was like, <laughs> Marco, stop. This is a library book. You can't chew on the corner. You haven't taught your child the respect of library books. She's she's not even a year old, so we can cut her a little bit of slack. <laughs> anyway, so that's The Big Green Tent by Ludmilla Lutskaya. Um, and my first pick is The Vegetarian by Hong Kong. Um, that is the way the translation audio pronounced it, so forgive me if I butchered it. But um, according to stuff I've read, Korean is actually very hard to translate. So anyway, so this uh, short novel, which is 200 pages with the book <laughs> I chose, <laughs> it's like one third of the big green tent anyway um it won the man booker translation award and it deserved it and like yeah there is a the vegetarian bandwagon but it's definitely one you want to jump on because this book is amazing now fair warning this has all the trigger warnings in the world because uh one of the metaphors here is about the corruption of innocence so it's about a woman who decides to become a vegan and her family kind of freaks out and her husband's kind of controlling and it's from three different perspectives it's from the husband's perspective the the brother-in-law's perspective and the sister's perspective and it covers everything from uh patri patriarchal uh familial corruption of innocence sexual corruption of innocence and then oftentimes women's um complicity in um the corruption of innocence particularly female innocence and um it is amazing 
it makes you feel uncomfortable, but in that way that is constructive. So you know that these things that you have held in your brain are wrong and that that it's not okay. When Yang Hai um, uh, decides to become a vegan, uh, it makes her family uncomfortable because they eat meat. And I know a lot of people are vegan because of uh, moral reasons, but she does it because of a dream, because she has this horrible dream about blood and there are these little vignettes and we never actually hear the book or read the book from Yang Hai's perspective. Um, but we get these little vignettes that are sort of like dreams about how she's feeling at the moment. We just get the these negative sort of perspectives from people who are mistreating her in various ways. So um, it's definitely worth reading. It is gorgeous. It's worth the hype. And I cannot wait to read um, one of her other books that are um, coming out. It's called Human Acts. So I would definitely recommend Vegetarian um, by Hong Kang. So the, my next pick is The the Elegance of the Hedgehog by Muriel Barbary, and it is about this girl named Paloma who lives in this apartment building where Renee is the concierge, um, and it is French, so I feel like I have to say it with a French accent, but I don't think I can do a French accent with a cold. I don't think I can do it without a cold, much less with a cold, anyway. So it's an alternating narrative from the perspectives of both of these women. And the younger girl, Paloma, is she like six? No, no, no. No, no. She's like 10. I don't know. Yeah, somewhere around there. She's like 10 or 12. She's not a teenager. Um, and she, her parents are very wealthy, and she lives upstairs. And then Renee is the concierge, and she's lived downstairs her whole life. Not to make it like Downton Abbey. And so she sees all of these wealthy people who ignore her. And then she's actually a really intelligent woman. I'm not going to go into too many details because we're going to talk about it in the next episode. But it is a it is translated from the French. And it is very French. Um, not in a bad way, but it's very much very uh, existential. Like what is life and what is the meaning of life and that kind of thing. Did you ever see those videos about the French philosopher cat? No. I knew that was a thing. It is a thing. I think it's like Henri the cat or something. I don't know. So at its essence, I think the book is about friendship. It's also about other things like race. Not about race. It's also about, it's also about other things like class discrepancies and how we perceive people and judge people based off of what we perceive their social standing to be. Um, but at the end, it's just, I would say, a book about friendship. Would you agree? Yeah, I would I would agree. Perspective on life. What is life? Why is life worth living? So it's very French. It's French, like I said. So that is The Elegance of the Hedgehog by Muriel Barbary. And that brings us to our uh, Book of the Month spot. And we love Book of the Month. We do love Book of the Month. I have not gotten book mail in a while, and it makes me very sad. Well, you fixed that by Book of the Month, which actually um, Reading Women gets. And so our pick this month is The Mothers by Britt Bennett. It is so good. Now, I know... 
If you love books, you've probably seen this around somewhere. The cover is amazing. It's by Riverhead, who's always on point. They published um, Lauren Groff's Fates and Furies, which was also amazing. So they really seem to be doing pretty well for themselves. And The Mothers is definitely is another bandwagon you definitely need to jump on because the setup um, is that this girl uh, starts having this fling with the pastor's kid and she gets pregnant and she has an abortion and it's about how that abortion affects not only the couple but their families and the community and everything like that and it's a beautiful book and so if you actually if you're raised in a church culture um I think you'll identify with a lot of things about this book but it also doesn't um assume that a church community is always perfect which is lovely that you know Christians are human beings to and can do horrible things or can do wonderful things. So I really like this book. Um, the writing is gorgeous, just amazing. And um, I don't know, just go read it. Just go read it. And I haven't read it, but well, mine, mine is coming. It will be here soon. But if you live in New York City, you should go to Morganstern's and get the mother's ice cream because... Get a scoop for me. Would you please get a wait, scoop for me? Wait, they have the mother's ice yes, cream? Yes, did you not hear this? No. Yes. I heard, what? Uh, Kendra. But of course it's about ice cream, so of course I know about it. This this ice cream place in New York City called Morgan Stearns has a limited edition, the mother's flavored ice cream. And they said it's like tart and sweet, just like the book. What? I know. I know. I, I... I must have this. I uh, what? I know. Like a part of me really wants to go eat it, and the other half of me wants to go write a book so that there can be an ice cream flavor be based on my book. This is true. This is true. You know that should be my new life goal: is to write a book so that way someone can make an ice cream flavor about it. My other writer's goal is so that I can hold a panda like Neil Gaiman did. Well. What if it was a panda and ice cream? Oh, I want both. I'm going for gold here. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, we love Book of the Month uh, because they have amazing books, obviously, uh, because we're geeking out about them, but also because uh, it's a monthly subscription service where you get to pick one of five books picked by amazing judges, and if you don't like any of the books, you can skip a month, so... Go to the show notes, and we will have the latest coupon code where you can get uh, a percentage off of your three-month subscription, and it is amazing. So that is Book of the Month. Go subscribe. We love it. It's great. Okay, so my pick is My Brilliant Friend by Elena Ferrante. Hashtag Ferrante Fever. It's Um, so beautiful. Oh, my goodness. Now, I read this book, um, the first one, about... Oh, two years ago almost now, and it is amazing. Like, I can't even start. I'm just going to start describing it. So Elena is born in Naples, Italy, and she has a friend, Lena, um, she calls her. And they are friends, and they have this type of friendship that's kind of, it's not exactly frenemies, but there's definitely competition between the two. And uh, it is... Them growing up in Italy and the series, a series of four books. We're just going to talk about the first one 
um, because the entire series encompasses over like 1200 pages and we could be here forever. So, um, and Autumn has not finished the other three. Yes. So you don't have to worry about spoilers for the next three, um, or in this episode any, but anyway, so it's just a gorgeous portrait of female friendship and you have, uh, they're born in a poor neighborhood in Naples and it's their struggle for education, for independence. Um, you have a lot of imagery of men trying to own women um, and it's just trying to escape circumstances and honestly it's a book centered around women and women friendships. There are there are men obviously because men are an important part of women's lives with partnerships and, and, and lovers and so on but it is centrally about women and the female experience, which is gorgeous. Uh, we'll be talking about more in our next episode, um, but this book is probably one of my favorite translated novels of all time. And if you want to keep up with the book world and important um, books in the history of publishing, you definitely need to pick up this series. Um, it has changed the face of translated literature, um, as we'll talk about later. It's just beautiful. The translation's perfect. Um, uh, Anne Goldstein does all of Elena Ferrante's work and it is just beautiful. So um, that is My Brilliant Friend by Elena Ferrante. It's Go so good. It. I really need to get on it and read the next three because I want to know what happens. Like that's the thing. It's like I want to know what happens. Like it starts out in the future and then it ends in the past. And so we're not to the future yet. Well, does it end in the past? You know, it goes back. It's like a frame tale oh, with, like, yeah. little snippets back. But you still don't really understand. I don't know. It leaves you wanting more. Uh, so my next pick is The Scapegoat by Sophia Nicolaidu. Um, and I don't know if I said that correctly or not. But it's important to note when you're looking this book up in the library, it's The Scapegoat colon a novel because there are two books called The Scapegoat. Um this one is a Greek translation, and it is another alternating narrative. of. It starts out with, uh, it, it's loosely based off of the murder of an American journalist during, and the year just escaped me, but um, the murder of an American journalist. And then we come to, I think it was like in the, I'm not going to say the date, I'm bad with dates, um, we come to the present, and by present, I mean, like, 2014, 2015, so, like, the very recent present, and um, in the present, we're introduced to this um, boy, and I'm not going to try to pronounce any of the names. They're all Greek, and it's very difficult for me, um, but he's struggling in school, and, like, they're having sit-ins at school, and um, he he's kind of rebelling against taking his final exam, and so a teacher assigns for him to look into this unsolved murder as a way to kind of reignite the kid's interest in education and learning. Um, so then after we learn that, then it goes back to, it's actually interviews with people who were related to the guy who was accused of the murder. And I thought going into it that this would be like a whodunit kind of serial-esque let's figure out who killed the guy it is not that it is a tiny book it is only a couple hundred pages but oh my goodness it is so packed full of 
things and something that I want to bring up briefly, and I do not have time to get into it, but there is a very strong thread of feminism in it, which I was very surprised to find. There's a grandmother and there's a um, who talks about how or her daughter, like the, the grandmother, her husband died when she was young. And so she had to like work and provide for the family. And then her daughter, she put her through college and then her daughter just kind of gave it all up and kind of gave up her life to be like, to take care of the house, not necessarily to raise her kids, but like literally just to take care of the house. Um, so there's some really great passages in there about women and women in Greek culture and about Greek government. I felt like a lot of it was really appropriate given what happens in um, what's been going on in the news lately about Greece. And uh, it's just beautiful. My only argument or my only complaint would be that in places the translation is a little bit rough. Um, but that's it. Like, it, it's very good. As you can tell, I can't shut up about it. So then that one was The Scapegoat by... Sophia Nicolato. And that brings me to my last pick. Um, and it's always, I'm always here to plug in a middle reader. And this is Ink Heart by Cornelia Funk. And uh, she is amazing. Now, it's important to note that in the beginning of her career, Cornelia had translated works like this one. But then by the end, she was writing in English by herself, which is, which is pretty cool. Um, but I listened to this on audio over and over when I was a kid. And it is about Meggie, and her dad is a book repair guy. He repairs books, um, and he also does special edition bound editions for his daughter because she loves to read. And one time, when uh, Meggie was very small, uh, Mo, her dad, was reading out loud to her mom, and her mom disappeared, and characters from the book that he was reading, called Inkheart, uh, appeared magically. And apparently her dad has this gift that he can read things out of books. It is amazing. It is a book nerd's dream. And I really love how this book taught me. It is a little longer book and it's also translated. So it taught me how to listen for this. And it also taught me a pacing, like being able, sort of like how you have to read several classics before you build up the stamina to be able to listen or read them. Um, this book taught me that kind of long, long-term pacing. And it is so beautiful. And so you find out that this villain was read out of this book. Um, and apparently when you read something out of a book, something else from your world goes into that story. So apparently, this is not a spoiler, don't worry, uh, Maggie's mother is somewhere in the book from her dad's reckoning. And this, these people came out. It is so amazing. I love this book and um, it is so magical and the idea that all these stories are referenced so you have just so many allusions to different books. You actually get to meet characters from like Treasure Island and A Thousand One Nights and all these amazing books that you've heard of. And all of this was originally written in German and it was just like, it is amazing. And I didn't even realize it was translated um, for the longest time, because as a kid, you don't really care. So Cornelia is like big. Apparently, I don't obviously I've never been to Germany, but she's really big over in Germany. And um, 
The book is gorgeous. And there's two other sequels. I actually haven't read the third one, which I own, but I have no idea why I have never read it. You need to get on that. I know. Like It's sitting on my computer on audio, and I also own all the print editions for the trilogy. And I've read other stuff by Cornelia Funk, but I've never read um, this book. So um, if you love children's literature, fairy tales, books about books, you definitely need to read Inkheart by Cornelia Funk. Good transition. Thank you. What are we transitioning to? You're welcome. <laughs> well, I mean, wrap up or whatever that was. <laughs> um, new books? Good words, Kendra. Good Thank words. Thank you. Okay. Uh, new books. Yay, new books. It is fall time, which means new books. <laughs> I'm struggling, yo. Keep going. <laughs> okay, so... It's all right. Okay, we're here for you, everyone. So we're going to start with Victoria, a biography by Julie Baird. And it is a new biography about Victoria, the queen. Um, and she, it is, it is over 700 pages. But I mean, who doesn't want to read a biography about like, what she's like the longest reigning queen in English history. Granted, Elizabeth II is giving her a run for her money. But uh, she's still a very important woman in history, and I'm very interested in reading how she gained the throne. Uh, oftentimes, Elizabeth I is given a lot more assertive qualities, and like Victoria kind of fell into her power, but she obviously was a very controlling woman and a very powerful woman, take it or leave it. Um, and so I'm very excited to read about her. And the second one that we are going to look at is a novel called Swing Time by Zadie Smith. Yay! Oh my goodness! Yeah. Because we talk about her all the time. We are big fans of Zadie Smith. And we can't believe that another novel is coming out. So um, I'm about a third of the way through this. And it is about a friendship, a female friendship. And Zadie Smith before has written primarily about more masculine heads of families and their relationships with women, while this is more female-focused and specific, specifically female friendship-focused. Um, it's also in the first person opposed to an omniscient third person, which is what the books I have read by her have been. So, I love her. The cover is amazing of this one, too. Yes. I And there's a tote bag, of course, that goes with it. I want the tote yes, bag. Yes, I want it to... Like, I need tote bags. Like, I need a hole in my head. But I really need that hole in my head because... Of course I need more. That is Swing Time by Zadie Smith. And the last one is one that I have been looking forward to, which is called The Fate of the Tearling by Erica Johansson. And she has been writing this trilogy for several years now, and I'm so excited. Did I... I didn't tell you. I got the first book in this series from the free library in my neighborhood. Yes, I saw that, and I bought the second one, figuring I could lend it to you on Kindle. You are such a good friend. Because you need to read this series. I need to convert you to fantasy. It's not a far leap. You, I, it's, it's not like I'm a lost cause. I already have one foot on the platform, as it were. It's just, it's just like building a wall. You already have the foundation. We just need to keep adding bricks to it. <laughs> Something like that. So this is the last one in the trilogy, and... Uh, the first one, the first book in the trilogy is about Kelsey, who has been in hiding all her entire life, but is preparing to take over uh, the Tearling, which is um, kingdom, 
that she's in. And then this red queen is, um, they have to give a tribute. So she goes in and she becomes queen, Kelsey does, and she realizes they're giving human slaves over to the Red Queen's kingdom so that they will, the Red Kingdom won't invade the Tearling. Um, and she stops that. And that's the beginning. And I would like to point out that um, Emma Watson is supposed to star as Kelsey in a movie or some sort of something. What? Of, of this trilogy. Yes. She is yeah. a goddess. We'll leave it at that. Okay. Yep. Yep. So this is the conclusion. I'm not going to say anything about the third book because that will give spoilers of the other two books. However, you definitely need to read this. I'm probably going to re-listen before I listen to the last one because I like to listen to them. You know, once you like read or listen, you have to do the rest of the series in the same format. So I understand. It's a rule. Yeah, it's like your covers having to match. It's similar. This is a true statement. Yeah. Which is why I hate it when they switch cover types mid-series. Yes. I have a gripe with an unnamed publisher right now because they did that and I'm really upset. Because I can't finish my collection. It is upsetting. It's a sad story. Book nerd problems. Hashtag book nerd problems. (laughs) Is that it? Yeah, that is. That's the last of our new books. Man, I can't believe it. Yeah, obviously there are more, um, but if you love hearing us talk about books, please go to the iTunes store or Stitcher or whatever you get your podcast and review us. Uh, it helps other people find us and really people, I know most podcasts say this, but it really does help. So um, it'd be great if we could spend like, you know, two minutes of your time and review us and we'd love that. And if you can't figure out where to review us, just send us a message and we will point you in the right direction. We are always online. Don't here. tell our mothers. We are they probably here. don't want to know that. But we are always online. <laughs> don't tell our husbands either. Anyway. Oh. They know that already. Up. He knows. They know that. That was a joke. That was a joke. <laughs> they married social media managers. I mean, what are you going to do? I married a Luddite, and I love him. Okay, enough of that. So that's our show. Um, next time, we will be talking more about um, the elegance of the hedgehog and my brilliant friend and you can find me autumn privet on twitter and instagram and litzy and goodreads and not facebook but anywhere else at autumn privet and you can find kendra at k d d is in dylan kd winchester um on litzy twitter instagram and such and that is it. Thank you so much for listening to the Reading Women podcast. Don't forget to use the hashtag the Reading Women to have your book recommendations featured on our Instagram or Twitter feed. Thanks. We'll talk to you later. Bye, guys. Bye.